is true. <laughs> yes, true. this is he. Possibly still. Drew's back, everybody. <laughs> I'm back too. I'm Patrick. Here we are. Hmm. Drew, I heard you saw some motion pictures this week. <laughs> um, I did see Manchester by the Sea. Um, I was supposed to see Hidden Figures, but I'm going to go see that uh, tomorrow. I'm seeing Silence tonight. Um, and then I also saw La La Land on uh, on Thursday. Seems to be at the top of the Oscar speculation. It. It's. I think you should go into. I think you should go into that movie. It's more intelligent than it appears, but I do think you should go into that movie with modest expectations. If you do, then I think you'll really like it. Um, I mean, I was. I, I cried at the end, and I thought it was actually pretty cynical. Um, but it does have this kind of warm bubbliness to it. But Manchester by the Sea, um, is like more funny and more devastating than you think it's going to be. Like those trailers do not set you up for what you're about to get. Um, so it's really good. I really liked it. Um, I'm very interested to see Scorsese's uh, Christian movie, <laughs> his newest Christian movie uh, about being a Catholic in Japan. Tell me more. Huh? Why What's going on? He, why does he always end up in the Far East for some reason? I don't. I think he's trying to create some sort of. It is like this desire to have like that. There's. I think, and this is just tr me just kind of something on the fly, but it may be like the the one true universal church, blah 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 thing, you know, or like that religious beliefs or whatever. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet, so maybe I can comment it more in the next episode. Does it seem like the sort of thing that people are going to get pistol whipped in? <laughs> I don't know. I think this is a little bit earlier than that. Uh, but like, uh, it's there's definitely. Um, I just I just want to know how much of the dialogue is going to take place in heavily accented Jap uh, English. Right. You know, like is, is that going to be their? Is it going to be that version of of how they talk about foreign people, or will they actually be speaking in Japanese with subtitles? That would be something only Scorsese could get away with, probably for the budget he likes. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you think? You know. What do you think? Quit breaking my balls. Sounds like in heavily accented. <laughs> uh, well, English. I, I really was just making sure that you know he. I just I just can't wait to see uh, how he uh, how he fits in some Phil Spector music. Um, Definitely. You know, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> In the in the uh, the montage of uh, of them getting their heads chopped off or something, you know exactly, I, exactly, literally breaking balls. <laughs> exactly, um, you know, like is there going to be any Darlene love in this movie? That's that's what I'm walking Ooh. into it with. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Uh, anyway, I'm excited about it, and it's a date, so that'll be fun too. Bam! Best of two worlds. Do you get popcorn on a date? Oh well, it's at Alamo Draft House, so you actually they oh, serve so you're you. You're gonna have a drink. Oh, you get a drink, you get full service food, and they do all these fun like 30 minute pre show, which is just like random, ironic, whatever thing. Like before Captain America Civil War, they had like lots of Iron Man uh, uh, advertisements from China about Viagra. Uh, you know, excellent. Just random shit, but um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I, it's my favorite, my favorite movie theater type. So. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, I don't know what kind of first date it would be to go on with somebody to watch an extreme three-hour movie about religious persecution, but um, should be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, tell me about you, Pat. You had some visitors this week, and some other things happened <laughs> this week, right? I, uh, I had some visitors. Um, they were delightful visitors. One of them was the artist Jordan Martins. He's an artist who has a lifestyle brand that he's been pushing heavily <laughs> in certain circles. Pushing it hard, pushing the brand. Um, there was a march, as you well know. I played a gig on Saturday night at this anti-Trump thing. Mm -hmm. um, Francis is a little baby who runs around and is cute. It's all just sort of 
basically when you have a child you you have the sleep deficit that it's virtually impossible to ever catch up to and so no matter what it is it sort of feels like the dawn of the dead like just kind of like glazed synthesizers and gore <laughs> in the form of poop or possible blood yeah definitely or, or right or just like emotionally dysregulated people or the face you see in the mirror yeah there was an onion article this week about that uh how people talking about their children causing other people to not want to have kids wow uh, <laughs> it's like no i've i've definitely reconsidered my ideas about having kids at times whenever any of my friends talk about their children yeah. <laughs> like some, some, like i went to dinner with a friend this week uh, as i was at her place with uh, her husband and their two kids and the way they spoke about it was like i was like well you love your kids though right they're like yeah like it was like this it was yeah, like definitely. this this shell-shocked thing of like you know i mean one of their kids is like six five or six and, and they're like yeah i mean yeah yeah, I, I I was like, come on, guys, sell it to me. I mean, I I, right. I know that there's a plus to this, and, and I, obviously that you love this thing that you have brought in the world more than anything else, and to see it grow and to see it nurtured and all that. But man, the advertisement just does not sell that. Yeah, well, and there's something about six that sounds really rough too. Yeah. Um, in the sense that they've got language and stuff, and they can move around but i'm sure if you push them hard enough they regress into more of a little kid pose and i mean let's face it even the smartest six-year-old isn't that fucking smart no can we pause it for a second hold on there we go um sorry we had to interrupt because i got a call from my personal trainer <laughs> that is totally, totally me showing off. No, I, 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 it's part of a new lifestyle to try and get into shape so that when I'm 65, I'm not, you know, on crutches. Um, so currently my chest feels like somebody has put me on a rack and just, you know, had horses gallop in either direction. But yes, um, but it's nice. It's good. Um, anyway, we were talking about six-year-olds and how they're pretty stupid. <laughs> I read an interview with Elton John um, about his six his longtime partner whose name escapes me. Um, David. Um, David. Um, but uh, they talked about you know there, there was kind of a section where they were doing the whole thing of like yeah I'm rich and all that but I'm a regular guy and he assured the interviewer that he did take his kids to Pizza Hut like everybody else. <laughs> Which is cool, just imagining Elton John in the Pizza Hut. Uh, yeah, but then that would be... it's weird that going to Pizza Hut is the standard for <laughs> being a regular guy. Although you, you yourself, as we've discussed previously, <laughs> big fan of Pizza Hut. I, I used to be a huge fan of Pizza Hut to the point where they, you know, gifted me <laughs> with, That's with right. birthday when, and graduation yeah. gifts when I was in college. I eat far more healthier now than I did then back when our friend Angela who also came to visit you this week uh, once prophesied that I would be dead by the age of 22 <laughs> from the way that I ate. Uh, thankfully I made it past that and I'm, uh, I'm eating far healthier now but but yeah Elton John has these weird like little touchstones like that like where he's one of those people who I wonder sometimes if he wasn't gay if he would be a Republican um, wow. or be, be conservative but given just how many like how many times has he been caught in the act of like playing at like Rush Limbaugh's wedding or <laughs> like yeah yeah he, yeah or the fact that he like almost played the inauguration you right. know like <laughs> and somebody told him like look man this is more trouble than it's worth <laughs> yeah definitely you don't want you speaking of personal brands he doesn't want you know his his to suffer I don't know maybe maybe that's just a coincidence and he's just I don't know, but it, 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 it's always kind of struck me that he does those kinds of things. Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've been re I've read all these different like period articles about them, and he's charming enough in the sense that it's like you know he's a massive record nerd, mm -hmm. and um, and 
he is nicer to the people that work for him than they than they say the average superstar is. Um, yeah. But then on the other hand, he's this totally glam monster who is completely decadent and uh, and yeah, and occasionally be like, "Sure, Rush, I'll play your wedding." Uh, <laughs> yeah, like he. he... I don't know. Like there was that article that you and I read before this uh, taping that you, the one that you sent me from was it Chris Gal? Uh-huh. I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. Um, and uh, where he's talking about all that and how you know I mean even if you listen to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road I mean there's no identity to there's no overarching identity which is why he's so accessible you know I mean like so he you plays, buy that thesis that's interesting I, I just. I I, I, no, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that I, I don't like the majority of the thesis, but I do think that he tries on different, like uh, different uh, uh, what's the word um, costumes. Hats. I was actually th- I was thinking he would be a lot like David Bowie in that regard, just on the same album. Mm-hmm. You know, he will go all over the place. I don't prescribe to his thesis that it's all shallow bullshit. Which is seemed to be at least what the the point is that what you, is that what you take away from it? Yeah, um, I mean, the, what you were describing, I totally think is cool and true. Um, but the way Chris Gow was talking about it, he makes makes it seem like pejorative, and I kind of think of yeah. it as a sign of his success. Yeah, that he's just a star. He's Elton fucking John. Um, and he brings, you know, millions of people to come see him wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, for me, for me, like, it's his songwriting, especially from the seventies, like his, his knack for a melody and his, and his facility with a piano. I mean, like, I mean, he is a genius, you know? I mean, like he, I mean, he, 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 he's, he is very much a Brian Williams-esque type like person who's made of music anyway yeah that's right um exactly although sometimes he gets short shrift because all people remember is like the single with kiki d and uh and you know whatever captain fantastic outfit he was wearing um but that's exactly right um i mean it comes down to the melodies um and sort of whatever pose he's copying, it always takes a back seat to the music, um, which should be a compliment. But I think in the 70s, music critics were so obsessed with themselves that, um, and obsessed with being progressive or whatever, um, that the fact that he just wrote great pop songs wasn't sufficient. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, you see a lot of reviews that are like, God, he and Talpin are good, but this just isn't as important as yes. <laughs> you know, like, in, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, and it's funny because he did have his one prog rock song at the beginning of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, you know, where, right? Um, which was better than 90% of yes's music anyway, so, Definitely. uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a lot of stuff is hindsight, you know, I mean, you can see stuff better in the past. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, like, I, like, when it's in the past and in the, in the present, I always wonder, like, who's gonna be liked in 10 years, you know, like, who's gonna be the one that we have to revise our, like, I mean, Led Zeppelin, the critics trashed them in the 70s. I know. Like, it drives me crazy. And I think it's because, for me, I've never been a lyric person. Like, I, I, right. I, I feel like with a lot, I mean, I'm not saying you, you, you necessarily get split into two camps, but like, <clears throat> there are definitely people who pay far more attention to lyrics than I do, right. which is probably why I've always loved Brian Eno so much, and that his lyrics are always designed around being nonsense in a lot of yeah, ways, and exactly. they're about more the sound that they make, because definitely. that's what pop is about. Pop is about the sound that you're hearing, and like a, a, a memorable snippet, but not an actual flow of meaning necessarily yeah 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 um that's definitely the case um and yeah people try to especially people who write about rock music often seem like frustrated english majors who want to describe (laughs) pop and rock as though it's a novel which is like you know and like does it have a beginning a middle and end and arc and symbolism and stuff um chuck klosterman what's that 
chat classroom. Oh god, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then there's the stuff that urges into or that slips into sort of cultural criticism, quote unquote. Um, but uh, most rock writing is horrible. Um, rock has a better batting average than rock writing, I guess. I'd go so far as to say. Um, but yeah, that's funny. Another thing that reminds me of is uh, I was reading an interview with him from like 72 where something made it, where your song made it to Muzak and was being played in supermarkets. And Elton was basically like, yeah, it came right after the Supremes. I fucking love the Supremes. And you just all of a sudden, I mean, from where I said, I have no idea why anybody wouldn't love the Supremes. But yeah. It gives, you, it gives you a sense of kind of the state of stick up your ass, prog rock, 1970s U.S. rock culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like that, that they would sneer at, at, like, you know, maybe Motown in general, you know, for just being popular. Uh, yeah. I think the, it, it's. I think, go ahead. I think the is it going to be big in ten years? Question is um, is a good one. Um, I think about music I listen to a lot that way. Not that I'm not going to listen to it if I don't think it's going to be a big deal, but just yeah, yeah. There's always stuff that maybe is a little more middle of the road, but is also like better tested and. <laughs> And, you know, going to stand the test of time, um, whereas whatever the flash, dash, flash in the pan, saran, I'm just doing some freestyle rap. I'm about to say. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and I I think the music is kind of important and gets short shrift compared to the lyrics in general when people are kind of carving out heroes or whatever. Yeah. Well, like, that's how I've always felt about my favorite band from high school, which was Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, and that people, like, there was always this camp of, you're either Roger Waters or you're David Gilmore. And it's like, I'm David Gilmore. Uh, in of, like, you know, I, 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 Roger Waters is, he's good, but he also wrote that god-awful song, The Tide is Turning, for the Berlin Wall performance in 1990. And it just, he, he has, I don't know, like... He's a good architect, but I like Gilmore's sound more, and I don't mind the fact that it kind of goes all over the place. Um, so, yeah, it was always this weird discussion with my group of friends, like if you liked Roger Waters or, or David Gilmore more. But, uh, but you know, fortunately, you don't have to make that choice with Toppin or Elton John. I mean, like, Toppin... I mean, if you were to be honest, if you were to read his lyrics without any of that music, what would you think? I would not have thought much of it. Until you hipped me to the blank verse that starts Love Lies Bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized, okay, this guy's kind of a badass, at least some of the time. Um, but it's a platform for the music. What are the What is the first line of Love Lies Bleeding? The roses? Uh, the, the roses in the garden have tilted to one side. Uh, I, gosh, I can't... I, I can't I have to look it up, but I know it starts off with that. The roses in the garden hopped up to one side. Reality, it seems, has has seemed to come and gone and by something like that. Uh, let me just look it up. <laughs> now that we've sung it, I know, right? Uh, yeah. A lot of highlights on this episode. Uh, everything about this... Oh, yeah. The roses in the window box have tilted to one side. Everything about this house was born to grow and die. Yeah. Anyway. That's like, I mean, that's some good stuff. You know, it's 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 a far cry from Jamaica jerk-off. Right. Um, <laughs> you know. The bitch is back. Girl. The bitch is back. <laughs> I had never Just heard... Bitch. I had never heard um, Island Girl until this week. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, again, the music takes it off i you know he he it is amazing that they would just write that stuff in an hour (laughs) i mean you know like 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 the fact that in 1973 elton john put out like for for several years he put out two albums every year and in 1973 put out a regular album and a double album yeah like and the fact that the music 
on that double album is uniformly excellent, basically from start to finish. Yes. You know, it's like and and that it, like we're saying, it's such a diverse array of types of music. Right. And the fact that he can just think it up when he sees those lyrics and just goes for it. I don't know. It's I. It's fascinating. He also had the master arranger Paul Buckmaster, who deserves a shout out. Yeah. Again, I did not care for Chris Scow's like. Oh, that string arrangement, you know, like it's, yeah. it's like, uh, it kind of reminded me in some ways of Pauline Kale, who I actually do like her reviews, but I don't. Agree yeah, with, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with her criticism mostly, but I did like, you know, she referred to Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill as a comedy, uh, which, right. <laughs> which I thought was actually kind of great. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, we've kind of gone on the rock criticism thing, but but it is, I don't know, I didn't feel like he was being very fair, especially when he started praising. Elton John in this criticism and starts talking about how he is a genius and then it's just like I don't know yeah yeah anyway. definitely frustrating when was the first I, I, when was the first time you can remember hearing them oh I know exactly um I mean I mean I'm sure I heard him on the radio uh but I remember my mom owned Goodbye Yellow Brick Road on the CD and one day we were driving along in the car and she put it on and she started telling me, she's like, I remember when this album came out. She's like, I used to get your uncle's headphones and I would just stick them on and I would start up Love Lies Bleeding. And just she's like, it just completely took me over and all that stuff. And she didn't do any drugs, by the way. This is just her just talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, but she's like, it, just, that's, that, 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 it kind of sounded like that at first. But she was just like, oh, I just, it just completely took me over and, you know, blah, blah. And I, I was like, okay. And I listened to the album and, you know, as any young 12-year-old, I probably just listened to the songs I maybe was more familiar with, mm -hmm. uh, like Benny and the Jets and Candle in the Wind and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. But um, as it's gone on, it's been, become one of my favorite albums. And it was actually the album where I learned what a bass guitar was. Yeah. Uh, I remember asking my mom because I looked at the at the liner notes and I was like, what is bass guitar? She, she was like, well, I'm not a musician, but I think it's this. And uh, yeah, so anyway, thanks, Elton. Darn too. What about you? Um, I can remember being in like lower Manhattan and awful traffic trying to buy a, a fart, like a, what would you call it? A, it's not quite a lamp. It's the thing. It's like a chandelier, a Tiffany chandelier uh -huh. casing or whatever. Okay. Um, and, uh, and as we finally got to where we were going, sad songs came on the radio. <laughs> and I remember very vividly my stepmother-to-be um, singing um, what, what would generously be called a kind of meandering harmony. Um, I'm not sure I want to try and replicate it right now. But just to the outro. You've painted, you've painted. You've painted quite an image there. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of. It was kind of the day I found out what harmony was. Um, oh. Okay. I mean, I didn't yeah. know the name for it, but I, I realized that like, if somebody sings one part, you can kind of wrap yourself around it. Um, so that was pretty massive. And then, years later, um, we got an interesting question from a very, from a childhood friend of mine about when did I stop being into sports and it's funny it coincides <laughs> with this episode um, I was still into sports when I was like 9 or 10 and I got this VHS documentary about the 1987 Boston Celtics um, and I'm, I, I mean I played that thing into the ground um, and it started um with funeral for a friend, love lies bleeding, juxtaposed to shots of um, a vacant and dimly lit Boston garden. Um, and I was like, what is this? How do I find this? Uh -huh. um, and then a few years passed. I definitely heard Elton, I don't want to go on with you, you like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Love that song. Um, <laughs> And, uh, is that from the that's the eighties incarnation yeah, of him, yeah. right? Yeah, also yeah, I listened okay. to an eighties album called Jump Back. Uh-huh. That isn't that bad. Is that the one that has I'm um, Still Standing or No. Okay. It's earlier than that. It's like eighty two. Okay. Um maybe it's jump up. I don't know. Some shit. Jump, jump, jump. That's a anyway, big theme I, in the early eighties. 
Exactly. I think there, I think it was a Dick Clark, Rock and Eve, where he did "I Don't Want to Go On with You Like That" and some country farm did Queen of Hearts, and I was like, "This is some real music. This <laughs> is some real music we're catching right here." Um, and then jumped to ten or eleven, um, and my dad had finally gotten tired of the. Tom Waits and Bob Dylan albums in the Jeep, and he switched to, he bought a brand new copy of uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road on cassette, and I instantly remembered it from the Celtics 87, um, and then I, I, I realized I knew some of the songs, of course, um, but yeah, that's, I gotta say, I don't, I've heard lots more Elton I like a lot, um, I think maybe Tumbleweed Connection has moments that are on par. Um, and Mad Men Across the Water, the, the song might be on par. Yeah. But I think it's the greatest thing he fucking did. It's kind of crazy. It's just weird. I mean, he's laughing all the way to the bank, but it's kind of strange that he's ended up um, just some sort of cheese ball. You know, it's, it's sort yeah. of like... Sort of like him being surprised that nobody likes the Supremes in the 1970s. Like, it's weird to me that there aren't... It seems to me like there are more bands that are influenced by Floyd than there are that are influenced by Elton. Um, yeah. And I can see why it is with Floyd. Um, and you have... A, don't forget... Hey, hey, now. Don't forget Guns N' Roses. They actually <laughs> shout out to Elton John on Use Your Illusion too. Jesus. Uh, anyway... Go ahead. Not at all. Yeah, I remember... I think they both played grand pianos on November Rain at some MTV Music Awards. Yeah, Axl Rose, definitely. That's not exactly the the, the most, like, spit-clean spit um, legacy there, but... Um, although Guns N' Roses has its pleasures. But yeah, like, there's, there's not that much of an influence. Um, especially given the fact that a lot of his, his stuff was kind of gospel... Tamed, yeah, you know, like like the way that he sings and the way that he plays the piano is not very classical. You know, like it, it no. is very much more. Like I, I I feel that gospel sense go throughout the way that he plays in the seventies, especially and specifically in the seventies. Again, like he's like all those other artists we talked about before in the eighties. Something just they like something just happened. I don't know, but uh, but he uh, uh like I think Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is is a true like masterpiece I, and, and like my favorite song on there aside from the title track is the last one um you know harmony yeah it was funny you were talking about harmony um that one that's a beautiful lyric and it's a beautiful beautiful piece of music um yeah it usually makes me cry but i don't know like i i, I remember like being a kid like i i when i after i started listening to goodbye yellow brick road i started hearing the songs everywhere and i don't just mean like the hits like i had this alarm clock that would you know of course wake me up but to, but to a radio station um every morning before high school and one morning it woke i woke up and it was uh the radio would just bl start blaring all the young girls love alice that's amazing <laughs> i love that I was song. Like, lesbians yes yeah, in the morning totally. it's kind of awesome <laughs> goddamn awesome um, um what's i gonna say about that um and then what do you think i've never heard captain fantastic is that pretty good is that the one that has Philadelphia Freedom on it? Maybe so. I'll take a look. Uh, the Dirt Brown Cowboy, right? Yeah. Which I guess that's supposed to be Taupin. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, he, that's when he covered Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which, not sure about that choice, mm -hmm. but... Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, 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 oh, but, oh, but they were okay. Yeah, they were included as bonus tracks. That's why. That's why I remember it being on there. They weren't originally released. That was back in the day when artists would just release singles without attaching them to albums. Uh, but they did eventually put them both on Captain Fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, that's kind of considered his swan song in terms of like his classic right. period. You know, like it, it's like that's when. Like after that, you know, you have Rock of the Westies and a few others, which are still, it's all, it's still good, but like, I don't know. It's not, it just, there's something, something is missing. I don't know what it is. 
I know what you mean, though, and that goes back to what we were saying about how, like, being consistent gets rewarded by critics getting bored with you and throwing you under the bus and chasing after whatever the new shiny object is. Um, yeah. I mean, he had pretty good quality control. <laughs> yeah. Eight albums... Eight albums, like four years, five years. It's amazing. I mean, who does that these days? Who puts out an album? Like, I mean, because that, that used to be a thing that people did. Like, it wasn't just him, but like, I mean, he was more prolific than most. But like, it used to be that people used to put out albums like every year, mm -hmm. you know? And now it's like this, like, you have to like wait for the artist to drop it on you. And, and now you don't even know when the hell it's going to come out. They just magically appear out of nowhere. Right. Uh, right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, that album's got uh, "Someone Saved My Life" tonight on it, which I, I, there was a time in my life where I felt very alienated, and <laughs> shocker, and uh, really, and, um, this is the first. Sorry, let me let me reword that. This was the first time in my life I felt severely <laughs> alienated, uh, and uh, and um, that song was a was a companion during that period of high school. I definitely don't think I ever didn't think Elden was cool. I definitely remember everybody around me thinking Elton was a cheese dick, <laughs> but I was still basically like, funeral for a friend, love lies bleeding, Celtics 87, this is hallowed <laughs> shit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it seems like he kind of veers in and out of style. Um, but again, that's strange because he works real hard makes a bunch of records um and you know is more timely and more prolific than both than yeah. most um but have you ever wondered in situations like that where you have like like what if he'd been in a band with like stevie wonder i mean i know they played together before but like what if like it's like you know that's like it's that john lennon uh, paul mccartney thing you know it's like two great songwriters and george harrison too you know, happened to end up in this band. Like, what would that band have looked like? You know, like, like, it's just interesting to me. Like, when you have that, that's just me musing out loud. Um, Definitely. I'm sorry, if that's a dead end. But, but I just, I don't know. Like, you know, would he have? What would he have been seen like? You know, if you were to put him in the Beatles, I don't know. Um, that's just a random tangent. Anyway, uh, uh, I, 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 I feel like he, I don't know, like. I never really cared what people thought about the cool stuff that I the stuff that I thought was cool they didn't like um, yeah. because I used to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer and people would knock me for it and I would listen to Fleetwood Mac um, you know and and all this stuff and it's like you know whatever I mean like it's there's all these social click stuff that goes with like what people like but it's amazing how many closeted Elton fans you find and in fact my like my dad like loves Elton John like really? he was obs he was obsessed with him apparently in the early 70s which is not something he ever admitted to me until I was older but like my mom was like oh yeah he was like he would I mean because Elton John would come to Alabama and play my dad would drive anywhere to go see him right on um you know he's kind of in that way he's kind of like Fleetwood Mac which is a discussion you and I've had before about how or at least I feel like maybe it's a discussion I had with you in my head before I don't know if I right. actually had it with you where it's like uh they're kind of like this baseline uh, music group or musician who you find a wide variety of people like, you know, like like people who don't necessarily give a shit about thinking about music like Fleetwood Mac or Elton John, but people who also, you know, give it a bit more of their time or who are, you know, more into more adventurous stuff still like that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because they're deep down just quality music. I think so. And the record sales prove it out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I definitely, I like I like pop music. Yes, but you know I discussed this before. But I don't like empty pop. I I and I and that's what I like about Elton John is is um, yeah the lyrics may not always make the most sense, but the music itself and the musicianship is I think top notch. I think so too. Do you like electronic dance music, Drew? Um, I guess so. I don't know. I've heard uh, I've heard some. But it's, it's never really taken me um, all that far. Do you spend a lot of time in the club? 
<laughs> I can already tell where this is going. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't spend a lot of time in the club. Okay, that's fine. Do you remember? Do you remember when we? I think I may have mentioned this in what will now be referred to as the Lost episode. But like, I, I do remember when we went to, to Washington State. Uh, 12 years ago with with tech guy um and uh, i remember there was that usher song that was going around it was like yeah yeah or something like that and every time we heard it you kept telling me man you must really love this song <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> like, like, i did not i didn't even care i did not like the song i didn't like it but you just you you got it in your head that i loved it <laughs> like, hey drew this is your type of song right it's like it was one of those it was one of the you know you, you sometimes get into some in jokes yeah you like to repeat and that was definitely one of them on that trip anyway. you um, you get you tech guy and I alone <laughs> for a couple days and some interesting stuff will come out, you know? Like, <laughs> there's a certain amount of trust built in. So you're ready to really, it's like being in a, a Casa Betty's movie. Like, you can really go for it. He wants you to go for it. Now, are you, are you in any way referring to the night where we were at the cabin and we played that, inc- now in hindsight, very pretentious game with that with the host's uh, CD collection that we found Was that in a there. game? Who won that game? <laughs> it was a game. <laughs> I forgot exactly how it worked, but we started to play these three these albums the three of us and like we started to we had to, I think it was we had to listen to a random song and uh, and th- and then we had to judge based on the merit of that, uh, merits of that song of that song the, the worth of the artist it really was very pretentious but like you got so mad because my vote but <laughs> red hot chili peppers i think over Jimi hendrix <laughs> Hey, you're just being an honest broker. That, and that's what that's what I mean. You know, honesty, honest. I don't think that Red Hot Chili Peppers are better than Jimi Hendrix, but the songs we listen to, you know. Do you remember, anyway, do you remember what Chili Peppers song was? <laughs> I don't know. Is it on it's Sugar Sex Magic? <laughs> I think it was uh, the from the eloquent. I, like. I I think it was from the eloquently titled Californication. <laughs> I still like, by the way, that's that out al- that album. I still like. Hmm? Sorry. That's your one. Um, I was wondering. If that's that was my still one. Out. Chili Peppers album. There's some, there's some, there's some uh, there's some Elton John esque and and and, and uh, I'll just give it all to Frushanti for that though. That's he's the only one that. Like, he's the rest of the, He's the secret weapon in that band. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> But yet again, I have now dragged a conversation where we were talking about an artist that you like into the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> but yes, anyway. Huh? Yes. Uh, am I supposed to be able to recover what the hell I was talking about from that? <laughs> I don't know. What were we talking? We were talking about pop or I don't know. I, I think the, hopefully that digression was entertaining enough for the listeners. Um, I can only hope. We lay it all um, on the line for these people. Some of them yeah. don't even listen. Jordan hasn't even freaking listened. He's well, like, I'll get know. around to it. Yeah, you'll get around <laughs> to it. I'm going to get around to you right quick. <laughs> I like how he's kind of been a guest star in this episode. Yeah, it's it's nice to sort of plant our fans in the uh is he a fan he hasn't listened to it well he's a fan of you and i as a as a duo that's true in other forms that we've appeared (laughs) before him (laughs) when he has summoned us to him i mean the nice thing about this only being circulated among, among our friends is that we can kind of assume not only that they have kind of a lot of patience with where we're going and where we don't end up going, but also that they're sort of waiting for us to do that as opposed to talking about the topics. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, at what point? At what point is this going to go off the rails? Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's now. I, I think it went off the rails about five, ten minutes ago, but that's okay. I don't know. I, don't know. I want to get your plug for that Red Hot Chili Peppers record in because I know you really care about those guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an episode without you being passive aggressive. I love it. Uh, <laughs> passive aggressive? That's not passive aggressive. I know. I, I don't mean like I don't mean in the typical connotation, but it's okay. very sarcastic. Like, yes, I just okay. wanted you to get that uh, chili peppers uh, plug in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe you can do yeah voice work for me. Got a sore throat. What What if we did an episode where I was just you the entire episode? That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, when did? Elton come out mid 70s. Oh, we're, we're going back to him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, he came out. Uh, he was bisexual in the 70s, and he came out in 1988. Nice. And then he married David. What's his face? I think in 92. And then they got like remarried when it became legal in in the United Kingdom. Very nice. So that's interesting to come out. What do you think's the strategy behind coming out as bi? Was he bi? It, I mean, maybe you, I felt like this is a larger issue, but like I felt like with not everybody who claims to be bisexual, because I respect people, I respect their choices and whatever it is that they define themselves as or however they feel they are. You know, a lot of people are truly bisexual, but there's some people who it's kind of like a halfway house. You know, yeah. where, where it's like I'm still safe because I like women. You know, safe being the I'm I, I'm still no, somewhat normal. You know, is their kind of way of viewing it. I, You're I just, just like, trying I, stuff out. Yeah, that's why I'm so weird. You know, what's why I do weird things. You know, but like, you know, it's it is very much a, a it's it can be divided into three. You could either be somebody halfway on the way to being gay, somebody who is truly bisexual, or somebody who's just like you know dipping their toe in the water and is going to be happily married to the opposite sex in two years. Um, so, what about the so-called phenomenon of lesbian until graduation? Is yeah, that that's, that's, that, that, that's actually what I was referencing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't want to be so overt about it, but yeah, uh, yeah there is a tendency. Um, I, I hate to say that because let's just face it. How many guys are experimenting with being gay? I mean, other than David Bowie, you know, like and, right. it, it's like it's just not a thing. But there's much more of an instance of women experimenting with lesbianism, uh, which is I, was a t I hate that term lesbianism. But uh, but actually have somebody I know, Kristen, um, when I was in Scotland, uh, she and her girlfriend Teal, Teal is – uh, were together and and they've been together for a few years and they've even gone to Scotland together, and I, and but she I always noticed that she kind of had the, she always talked about these guys all the time and she was obsessed with our friend Louis. And I was like I I wonder if she's bi or now she's married to a man, you know. And but the thing was is that when she was a lesbian she was constantly over the top being a lesbian like she was always talking about oh you're in the family or you know, everything revolved about around that. Which made me feel like thou doth, you know, protest too much, kind of thing, you know, where she was, right. she was talking, like, whereas Teal, who was, you know, still true blue, 100% lesbian, it was just, you know, she, she, she was, she's, she would describe herself as a proud dyke, and, and, and that, and that was her thing, but she, she was, it wasn't this thing that she constantly talked about to try and prove to everybody she was a lesbian. She's like, no, I'm a lesbian, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, I definitely think that that happens, and it can even happen beyond. Uh, beyond college, but it's definitely a phenomenon, and maybe that was what Les uh, what what Elton was going through. Maybe so. Did you identify with Elton as a as a LGT guy when you were a young man? No, um, I. I mean, I think I mean subconsciously I maybe appreciate it, but even today I don't really identify with him. Um, you know. Uh, he just he, it, there was it was nothing because like I said like I like his music but it's it is very much there is a costume is always being at play in front of you you know like my favorite Bowie albums are not Ziggy Stardust they're the ones where he's more nakedly being himself that's the the Berlin stuff you know heroes low, heroes, and low you know um, Lodger yeah Lodger's a lesser so but yeah like low and heroes especially. what do you think about Station to Station 
Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's... <laughs> Is that how you feel too? That's <laughs> yeah, pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, whatever. Um, you know, it's it's sound. It's the sound of like aural cocaine. I mean, I guess that's all you can really say it is. But like yeah. it. it yeah. Uh, but you know. But anyway, going back to Elton, like I do, I did. I never really identified with him. Um, but that goes to a larger issue I have with not identifying with, you know, people just because we share the same, you know preference of sex for certain you know like, like i'm trying to pigeonhole you man no i know you're not i know you're not but I, I i understand where you're coming from because like you know as you're when you're growing up you do need to have that sense of identification yeah you and know, who did you have then um i'm trying to think who i identified that's a really good question um i would say probably anybody who came out who was who I didn't feel like could just completely shifted their personality, you know, like where I'm not saying like people who were like compensating for themselves and trying to be hyper masculine and then they come out and then they change. I mean, people who were probably pretty open about just being themselves and they come out and then it it becomes that. I don't know, maybe, um, uh, who's a, I don't know, who's a musician I'm thinking about that oh, there was somebody who I was, who I was thinking about who like the the head of a band um anyway I, I don't know i don't think i really did i don't think i really did and i still you know because i wasn't told to you know the gay community doesn't really tell you you know i'm told uh, you know there's the there's a more of a mainstream gay consciousness that tends to identify again this isn't everybody but there's a there's just a mainstream thing that says to identify more with madonna um or with lady gaga who you know i respect i respect madonna and i i like a lot of her stuff but um you know, it's not really the thing. It's not my go-to. Like when you were asking me about EDM earlier. <laughs> right. It's not your go-to. <laughs> it's not my go-to, but I, I do like it. You know, I, I like a lot of stuff. I don't know. I, you like the bumping beats? I mean, I like, I like, I like, I like you know, dancey. Slashing synthy beats. <laughs> I do like synthesizers. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, that was a rambling answer to your question. I don't think I, I, I'd have to think about it if I did. It's been so long since I came out. And, um, you know, when I came out, I, I honestly felt like I had traded one feeling of oppression for another. Right. Not oppression, right. but like one, like one, one community telling me to act a certain way to another community telling me to act a certain way. Um, and, um, you know, I've navigated it, I think, pretty well since, you know, of being a part of the gay community and being, a, you know, like, but all that, but also kind of recognizing its weaknesses. Um, it's cl there's classism involved in it, um, involved with people always looking their best and dressing their best, and right. you know, being super fit and all that. It's like, yeah, well, a lot of people who can't afford that. What, what what part of gay identity is that? You know, like, um, so I, I do think that there's a, a construct to it, but there's a construct to everybody's identity, so whatever. But uh, anyway, Elton John. <laughs> I was so excited when I found out about bears. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Pop bellies, weird facial hair, need of a haircut. There was a there was a bar in Nashville. Uh, it was pretty bear heavy. I don't know if you ever went to it. Uh, it's called The Shoot. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it was called? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I only frequented it a few times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those really tastefully named uh, places that you see for a lot of uh, gay bars. Uh, yeah. Always. <laughs> the always. Blue Oyster. It's like, you know, you could, yeah, it was, it was very tasteful. But, um, yeah, bears were, like, I don't know, like there's, there's this phenomenon now of men referring to themselves as otters. You heard about that? What's that? It's basically like you're like... I think it means that you're like hairless and skinny instead of saying somebody's a twink. And like I had a guy like refer to himself as being an otter one night on a date. I, I had not heard it before and I was like, what? What? <laughs> you know, I did, did not, had no idea what he was talking about. And, and I was like, please define, you know, what this is. Um, is there a gay Google? <laughs> no, there's a gay, there should be a gay wiki is what you mean, right? Yeah, I, mean, I can, guess can, we, can, can I wiki that? Let me wiki the... Now, actually, you've got me curious. Is there a gay wiki? 
It probably is. Yeah, oh well, no, it's gay Wikipe on Wikipedia. Um, no, I, I don't see anything off the, the bat, but it is definitely a an interesting community to be a part of. And, um, you know, bears are <laughs> a very interesting part of it. Um, it is so funny to see people kind of like define, like, I have a friend who, like, he's all about having this, like, super long, like, ZZ Top beard. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, all of his friends, who are all define themselves as bears, all have that ZZ Top beard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's so interesting that it's like that, and, like, they all, the, and every single picture he posts or everything he talks about is about his their beards. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. One of the greatest unspoken privileges of being a, a white, cis male, hetero dude is that you can be a slob and, like, if you wear some rock boots with it, it's a style. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's all you're expected to do. Yeah. You can wear yeah, a it's... fucking Wendy's bib. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's amazing how, like... Like I've like I've heard some like people say to me before like it's like some guy they like some that some women were talking about they're like oh he's so hot and I'm like really he looks so trashy and like you find that attractive like I I I'm just like like and I'm not like trying to judge every single person that comes by you but this guy like looked like 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 a disaster <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah. on the street looked like a disaster and I was like like but he just doesn't you know he just doesn't care and I'm like that's great I, I wish I could have that you know I. I've gone on dates before with people where, like, they are talking about how fat they are, and it's like, they are so, so skinny already, you know, and they're sitting there fat shaming right. themselves already. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why there's such a gay, there's such an element of fascism in some aspects of homosexuality. Not, again, not everybody, but there's a subgroup like Milo Yantinopoulos, you know, uh, uh -huh. who, who, who take that to the next level. You know, like my, my like that lesbian couple I was talking to you about, uh, Kristen and Teal were telling me that like, they're like, the most judgmental place I've ever been to is a gay bar, you know? And it's, there's this, all this social pressure there. And again, once you've gone a few times, you stop feeling, and you stop caring, but like, there is a lot of that there. And I don't think it's very healthy. Um, you know, um, it, but it, it's almost like it's the male gaze unfettered, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like, here's men socialized to be more mature than women uh because all men are socialized to be less mature than women um mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh now acting out without mature women around them uh you know it, again i i'm not trying to come down the entirety of the gay community i'm not trying to say that like it there's a lot of really great stuff happening there but i do think it's good for especially gay white men to still admit that we have privilege uh yeah. we are oppressed in an extent but we do have privilege uh, that we should be using to get outside of larger causes than just gay rights issues. I mean, why do you think that gay rights have accelerated so far? Well, it's because white men have been uh, have been, have had right. their rights. That's why. It's because it's affected white men. As soon as it starts affecting white men, then people are like, oh, let's... let's help. And I dare say the prism, the fact that it was framed as being about marriage actually <laughs> kind of mainstreams it. Oh, in yeah. a way too. Oh yeah. It almost makes it like a backdoor family values thing. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely want the ability to have people respect my relationship for with someone, sure. You know, like, um, but the way people go about that is their own way, is their own thing. But there's definitely that's what I was saying about Elton John earlier. Hey, tying it back, um, that. There are certain gay men who would be Republicans, and there are Republicans, but there are certain ones who I get the strange sense that they're only left wing because of the fact that they're gay, you know. Yeah. And I mean, everybody should have a has an entry point for sure, but once you get in to that frame of viewing people as being put down or whatnot, you should then be able to take that and put and apply that to other people who are not you, you know. Sounds good, brother. Sorry, did I just wear you out? I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Not at all. Um, Sorry, I think listeners. we got into some like content-rich action there. Um, Elton John. Elton John's great, baby. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this, don't be an asshole and watch it on YouTube. Bye, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. It'll fucking break your face. If you oh like. yeah. Even half of an open mind. It's so much less 
pretentious than so much 70s pomp. Um, even though it's kind of pompous. Um, very Beatles in spots. He has a killer rhythm section. Who he would soon fire. Yeah. Um, Paul Buckmaster's at his peak. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I've been going around, I've been trying to think is it one of my 10 best records of the 70s? And the problem is there's so much punk in the 70s that between the rock and the punk, there's not a lot of room. But it's definitely in my five best records of, you know... When did it come out? 75? 73. 73, yeah. It's definitely one of my five favorite records of the 1970s up to 1975. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a very interesting way to define it. I like it. Uh, would you, what, what, which, which Zeppelin? Is a Zeppelin album in there at all? Physical graffiti. Physical graffiti. Okay, I was, I was wondering. Um, Definitely. And there's a record by the Rolling Stones called Exile on Main Street. I was about to say you're really into these double albums. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and there's a re- there's a record by the Stooges called Funhouse. And I don't know. What about Thick as a Brick? Were you into Thick as a Brick too? Is that is that another one that you'd say? Is the top? I'm not a Thick as a Brick guy. <laughs> um, I guess I would have to give number five to the first Roxy record. Ah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure I could think of no the first big star. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a fruitless. This is a fruitless quest right here. That was when the best records were made, so it's very hard for me to. Yeah, or it's okay. That, that was where. Let me be more politique. That was when my favorite records were made, um, <laughs> so I could go on forever without even getting into the sort of punkish stuff. Well, fortunately, there is no actual list of greatest albums ever and it can be your favorites and that's fine so um i live my i live my life waiting for like charlie rose to show up in a set <laughs> to be around me and just somebody wanting my takes on stuff i think about that stuff in my head a lot maybe maybe this podcast will take off and charlie i'm hoping rose... this podcast is going to catapult us to different places. Yeah, yeah. Finally, you'll you'll finally be able to do that commentary you've been been wanting to do for so long on uh, on Charlie Rose about the five best albums from before in the seventies from before nineteen seventy five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot to talk about. The living the dream. I love it. Uh, I mean, I got. Uh, it's hard. I mean. I think that would be it. I think it would be Roxy Music. It would be Radio City by Big Star. Exile. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Exile. <laughs> Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road and Studio's Funhouse. So it's top there six. There in go. no uncertain order. It has been laid in down. In no uncertain order. It has been yeah. laid down for posterity. That Those are your top six albums of the 1970s <laughs> or before 1975. And I'd like to mention that our <laughs> yes. next podcast is going to be the 20 questions installment. Yes. So if anybody would like to ask Drew or I for our top six or two or 11 <laughs> albums from any arbitrary, like from 1970 to 1972 and 1977-1978-1980. <laughs> only, only, only albums that were released in the first three months of the year in which they were released would be what are your top exactly. three albums from that everything else after that's dead wood <laughs> yeah. very top wine. heavy at the beginning curdled milk I will say now has it been confirmed has it been confirmed that Tech Guy will be a part of this I I sent him a present that is going to play a vital role <laughs> In the live recording <laughs> um, for his birthday. So I'm hoping, yes, that Tech Guy will be there. We will be live. We will be three. There will be some questions. Magic happens com- when the three of us communicating speak. I'm excited. Beautiful people. Let yeah. me run some plugs off as we cross the hour point. Um <laughs> Please read my blog at nervousexhaustion.wordpress.com. I haven't done show notes since the first one, but I'm going to get back on that, get excited. 
we only have 11 ratings on iTunes, and even though I don't read them because I don't want them to shake my <laughs> steel, uh, steely sense that we're doing the best thing going, um, we need more. So please, please go to iTunes, find the podcast, put down five stars, leave a comment saying something nice, and then you know what? You know what? If you're bummed out and you really don't didn't want to say something nice, you can come to our very lovely Facebook page, Cage T Podcast on Facebook, where all types of discourse are just kind of fluttering around like little buddies with butterfly wings. I feel like you could build an entire episode around the picture of Jesus with uh, the president. I think so. It really ripped Jesus. Well, that's the, you know, that's, he's CrossFit. That's the newest thing. These yeah, days. he's the CrossFit dude. Exactly. No carbs. <laughs> All right. I got to go. This is it. We're All done. right. You're the king, man. I had a great time and uh, talk to everybody for the next one. Woohoo. Bye-bye. Bye.